Welcome to the He Shoots, He Draws podcast, the show about photography and design, with your hosts, Glyn Dewis and Dave Clayton. Hello and welcome to another episode of He Shoots, He Draws with me, Glyn Dewis, and my buddy, Dave Clayton. Yes, there is silence there because Dave is not here with me. He's still out in America. Well, I'll tell a lie. He's actually just texted me to say he's flying back now. But Dave's been out in the States for the last 10 days. You'll remember if you listened to uh, last week's episode that Dave had been to Creative South in Columbus, Georgia, I think it was. Well, after that had finished, he then flew from there to Tampa in Florida to spend some time with the folks at Kelby One, where, amongst other things, he recorded some classes and he also managed to sit down with Scott Kelby and record an interview. Now, that's, this is what this uh, episode is. It's, it's Dave's interview with Scott, or Dave's chat with Scott, rather. And if you've heard interviews with Scott in the past, obviously he talks a lot about Photoshop and photography, but Dave's taken a bit of a different slant on this one. They do kind of talk a little bit more in detail about how the whole Kelby one or nap uh, which is a National Association of Photoshop Professionals originally came by, which is really interesting because if you're in business, I think this is a good one to listen to because it kind of shows that, you know, sometimes you've just got to have some guts and just go for it. So it's a really great intro to kind of hear how Scott and the team went about setting up the NAPP. Uh, but then he talks a lot about design, uh, but then they talk a little bit more about photography. And there's also a little thing that Scott alludes to regards to accreditation at Kelby One. So they're looking at doing accreditation for Photoshop, for Lightroom, and also for photography. Now, obviously, there's a lot more they chat about. Uh, so I'm just going to kind of disappear now. And I'm going to hand you over to Dave while he's having a chat with Scott. And I'll catch you next week when I'm kind of hoping that Dave will be back with me. So uh, I'll leave you to it. Here's Dave and Scott. Okay, welcome to a very special edition of He Shoots, He Draws, and this one's on the road. And this week I'm in Oldsmar in Tampa. Is it Oldsmar, Tampa? It's Oldsmar, just, Florida. Just Tampa. At uh, Kelby One HQ, and I'm sat here with someone you might know of, you might not. He works here. It's Mr. Scott Kelby. Hello, Scott. <laughs> Hi, Dave. How are you, buddy? <laughs> I'm very well. Thank you for joining us today. Um now, obviously, everybody knows, who, well, those that know who you are know what you do, and everyone knows you as a photographer, but my introduction to you was not as a photographer, it was a designer. And back in the day, I used to buy a magazine called Mac Design, and then Layers Magazine, and then Photoshop User Magazine. And I didn't realize, way back then, you were actually, it was all about graphic design. So was Mac Design what you started with? Was, I mean, if, you, if I can take you back without doing a cheesy thing, is where did that graphic design background come from? What led you into that before photography? Well, I was, uh, I started with photography. So I started long ago with film photography. And then I, I basically took a complete break from photography. I got kind of burned out on it and I just stopped and I took all my gear. I had a studio in the whole nine yards, put everything up in my attic and I didn't, didn't touch it again for many, many years. In the meantime, um, I wound up uh, as a graphic designer. Well, my wife and I owned uh, and uh, we started a small graphic design shop. Yeah. And then we wound up kind of becoming more towards advertising design, which is the thing that I was drawn to. Uh, it's where I started writing copy and why I like to do advertising because I could I could write some copy 
and uh, I was getting better and better at it. And I was like, okay, so our, the name of our company was Typeworks Advertising Design. Okay. And what we really did was we were the design department for advertising agencies who were too small to have their own in-house design agency. They would hire my wife and I, and that's that's what we did. So, and from that, uh, we started what was called at the time Mac Today. Yeah which was a local Tampa Bay area magazine, but then it grew and grew and grew. And finally we realized the whole magazine was really about Photoshop and InDesign and Illustrator and all, and we just called it what it really was, which was Mac Design, which I liked much better because that was the real focus of the magazine. It wasn't so much about like teaching you your operating system and all that stuff. It was really about getting better at Photoshop and InDesign. That's and, why I first picked it up because right. when we had Borders, God bless his soul, um, they used to have an international magazine section and I was flicking through because – I mean, we've got a ton of magazines in the UK. Oh, yeah, like, you do. Plethora, it's a big word. But there was very few. But I saw this Mac design, so I picked it up because I liked Mac, didn't own a Mac. I opened it up and realized it wasn't about Mac. It was about graphic design. Um, so I bought it. It was like $10 and took it home and went through and kind of used it as a reference point without, you know, at the time not having a Mac. But I didn't realize it was you because then it was it was a magazine. It was you know, very professionally put together, very nice, and I still own them. But where did you go from there? What, how long does was Mac Design running before you kind of moved oh my into? Oh gosh, it started in nineteen ninety two. Yeah, like it started back in the nineties, and we we did it for a very, 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 very long time. Um, we when we closed it, when we just made the decision to pull the plug on it, it was actually still profitable. Okay. But it wasn't profitable enough to where, <laughs> like, you spent all year long with a group of people working on this. And we had other things that we could reassign those designers to. So one day we decided that, you know, really we're spending so much time putting out this magazine and such great expense. And at the end of the day, we were making just so little money off it. Now, a lot of people would say, hey, if you were making money at all, you know, you should have kept it. But because we have our hand in so many other things, we run conferences and seminars, we publish books, and we do so many, and we run an online organization and an association, all this, that we were like, we can we can take the same crew that's working on this and, and do other things. Because yeah. we had such talented designers. And that's the great thing about designers is they can very fluidly move from one genre to the other. If you go, hey, well, you're doing a magazine about babies. Great, and now you're doing a magazine about car racing. No problem. I mean, it's like they're very, very good at being chameleons. Chameleons, yeah. where photographers are are more niche. Like I'm a wedding photographer, and that's what I do. And if you have to do newborns, it's like whoa. For a lot of photographers, yeah. they can't make that jump. Designers, that's their bread and butter. Is every week it's a new project. Yeah. So versatility, we were, definitely. So that's why we did it. We we moved everybody over there, and I was kind of sad because our whole built business, everything we did was built off that magazine. Yeah. The first seminar we ever did, the uh, the whole everything was built from that magazine. So it was a a bittersweet moment, but it was it was the right business decision to do. And then we started focusing on Photoshop User Magazine, which is its sister publication, and it had. It had grown so much and it had such explosive growth that we really wanted to focus more on expanding Photoshop user and the other things that we do. So yeah. it sadly went away. So how much of the beginning of Mac Design had had the NAPP already been formed when Mac Design came out yep. or it had? Oh yeah. Yeah. NAPP launched I think in nineteen ninety eight. Okay. Uh, and we were doing layers well into the two thousands. Yeah. So yeah. So uh, in fact, I think we probably did layers into maybe 2010, 2011, something okay. like that. So it's not been gone that long. Yeah. 
And you had Layers TV as well. and Yeah, we had yeah. Layers TV that taught design stuff and all. And, you know, as as Photoshop became more focused on photography, we bent over that way as well. We kind of changed our focus. It sounds bad, but you know what I mean. I f- uh, focused more on the photography side. But, you know, we still do, and, you know, to this very day, of course, have design sections. We do a lot of design stuff uh, in Photoshop User Magazine at the Photoshop World Conference and stuff. And I'll, I'll always... Uh, have the the heart and soul of a designer. Uh, I mean, I'm still a font freak to this very day. I still collect and buy fonts, and I'm I'm like, I'm so into type. I just love. There's something very special about type, and if if it catches you, if you get the type bug, then it really becomes the thing. And yeah, I said that in the class yesterday when I did the type effects, and uh, Steve was interviewing me, saying, "Okay, just we'll do this personal intro." Um, and he said about, you know, what's three things about this class? And I said, well, more designers should appreciate the power of type because I've seen a typeface and gone ahead and created something purely off the back of seeing the type. Oh, yeah. Uh, and and then there's things like you have to you have to know what you're doing with design. But I think on the type typography is I'm a I'm a font hoarder. I am too. Every time. And in the beginning, it was like, you go and get all these free fonts. You've got the discs with, you know, a thousand fonts for yeah. 20 bucks and realize none of them are commercial the, use. Yeah, and those were crap. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you know what, though? Um, can I give you a source for inspiration for font designs? Yeah. So if you go to myfonts.com yeah. and, they, and look at a particular font, you know, they let you preview the font with whatever words you want. So if you need to write, you know, uh, uh, he, he shoots... He draws. You can just write that in there in whatever, you know, font or – Right. But beyond that, when they introduce new faces, they'll show you like 15 designs that are so beautifully done using that font that you seeing those in context, it's so, it's so inspiring. Like every time I go to their site and I look at those things, I'm like, oh, man, I just want to design. I mean, it – Yeah. You know, and I think – Maybe even as much as photography or more so with design, when you see great design, it starts your motor running. Yeah. And when I go to their site and I look at what they've done, I, I buy fonts straight off those. I'm like, yeah, I want to little... do stuff like that, and I'm buying that font. That freaking yeah. font rocks. I, I don't know what I'm going to use it, but I love the graphic I, I have you no made idea to sell I'm it. Using it. But, yeah, oh, I'm telling you. And uh, I, I just bought some fonts recently that, that I, I'm just in love with. Um, and I, I try to buy – I'm really in my scripts phase, but I don't like – really fancy scripts i like scripts that are clean and handwritten yeah i know what you mean yeah so the but i don't want handwritten to where it looks like graffiti or you know where it looks i want a beautifully done script that is like from calligrapher quality but you know boy there's some great fonts out there that uh, oh there's some especially with um the uh, variable fonts and the um oh i don't have have many of those where you have the uh, ligatures so like if you type in you get the choice now of so if you do a signature font you can make the two a's different right oh yeah so no i do that that. i use open type oh yeah i use i use the ligatures i use the uh the stylistic alternates i use all that stuff all are you kidding me i live over there (laughs) but uh i i have a font that i'm i'm so deeply in love with and every time i use it people People write me and ask me what it is, and it is from a font house called P22. Okay. So it's the letter P22, yeah. and it's called Cezanne. And it is it is occasionally you can use their uppercase, but their uppercase letters are kind of crazy. In lowercase, oh, it's money. You can write any word, and it just looks like it should have this at the end. Oh. <laughs> I'm telling you, Dave, I swear that font just just absolutely just it's money. Yeah. 
So everyone should go and own it. Cezanne yeah. by P22, and it's just a killer, killer font. How much? I don't know. I'll have to look it up. See, that's the other thing that I found with, with design. It's not cheap. It is not one of no. those $15 fonts. A lot of fonts on myfont.com are 15, on yeah. 15 US dollars. Well, mon- uh, my fonts now do a thing. They've got monotype uh, subscription. So you can pay like $15 a month and you get the whole monotype back catalog. And that's incredible. I know. But you know what? I've Unless monotype has been putting out a bunch of new stuff I don't know about. Yeah. Because I have old, old over fonts, time. Yeah. I've gotten a lot of those Bodoni and all those other. You know, I've gotten a lot of the classic fonts. Uh, let me see if I can find it for you because I happen to have this thing called Google. There it is. Oh, it's on. You can get it from myfonts.com. No, okay. I think I actually bought it directly from P22. Yeah. Uh, it's not too expensive, but ooh, yeah, I, I thought it's exactly the price I thought it was. If you get the Pro, yeah. it's seventy nine ninety five US dollars. But if you just get Cezanne regular, just Cezanne regular, which is the one that I think I use, the Pro has all the you know all the other features. Uh, twenty four ninety five. Can I tell you what? Why you'll, you'll make, make that, that money back? back. Oh, you absolutely, will, designers. Yeah. Go get P22 Cezanne regular Cezanne. I use um, so I use a website called Design Cuts because they do every I think it's like every fifth bundle they do uh, a bunch of commercial use uh, commercial use fonts. Yeah, but sometimes they have some crackers in there, and they do the same thing. They do the graphics where they type something out. Mm-hmm. And you kind of you buy the font because you love the image that they've done, and then you yeah. think of a reason to do it. And the other day they had uh, the whole Futura family, which you think would be easy to get, but not everyone has the whole thing, and it was included in the bundle, and it's like twenty nine dollars. And I'm really, going, I'm buying the yeah, whole bundle. Futura, if you want to go buy it from Adobe, is it was like three hundred and twenty nine dollars. Yeah. If you want like Futura Extra Light, all the way to Futura Extra Bold, and the twenty two fonts in between. Yeah, and I've had some crackers out of there that I've actually like starred up that these are my go-to fonts so going back to the design part then i'm sorry yeah i kind of took us on a font that's all right i took us down the font road (laughs) so you say you and calibra started the business we did so you were the designer what what was calibra's role in that well calibra's a traditional artist so she was started doing mostly layout stuff like i taught her how to do magazine layouts and stuff. So I would create the template and then she would put in the text and all. But she got really good at type really fast and she liked type too. So we both had the type bug and like we'd go to a restaurant, we'd sit down and I'd look at the menu. She'd look at the menu and I'd go, honey, look at that kerning. And she'd go, honey, the tracking's all off here. I know. And we look at each other we're like, we can't eat here. And we just put the menus down and walk out. But she got really good. She, you, she, She's an artist by nature, so design stuff came to her so easy and so fast. So I would create templates, but after a while, I didn't even need to – she started creating her own templates. She was doing great. I mean, we, for the if you go back and look at maybe the first two or three years of Photoshop User Magazine – that was just me and Calibra. Really? We designed the whole thing. The The masthead that you see on Photoshop User Magazine today is the original one I designed back in 1999. Um, it, and it's, we designed every lick of them, just the two of us. And then finally we had to hire some help and we got another designer. But that was that was our main gig. Every month that Calibra and I cranked out Photoshop User, we laid out every bit of it. So the beginning of the NAPP then – it was mostly you and Calibra producing all the content and starting to build the association. Yeah, it was us. It was just us too. Wow. And uh, it was it was weird because uh, we you know we were so excited about Photoshop and, and we've been doing these seminars you know now. So we started our seminars back in 
October of 1993. And we and we were doing big numbers at our seminars. Like we were doing three and 400 people in every town in USA go to New York and we'd get, we got as many as 1100 people for a one day Photoshop seminar. So we were doing great. We're piling it in. So we started this NAPP now, uh, using a name like National Association of Photoshop Professionals, I don't know what the rules are in the UK, but you can't use somebody else's trademark name in your name. Yeah. You know, like you can't call yourselves the Association of McDonald's Hamburgers yeah. <laughs> without hearing from um, uh, their attorneys or their barristers. Yes, their lawyers. Their lawyers. lawyers. Oh, you can use lawyers? Their briefs. Their uh, briefs. Okay. <laughs> anyway. <It's> true. <laughs> so, um, so we had this uh, um, association and we, and we launched it. We thought – People were just going to crush and join, and, and they didn't. Like, it was so bad, Dave. It was horrible. Like, like nobody was joining. Like, we'd go, and we'd make this big presentation. We'd set up a big booth at the seminar. We got 400 designers there, and, like, six people would join. Because we just thought, it's a Photoshop association. Yeah. Everybody want to be a part of it. No one else is doing anything. Yeah, it, it, it was horrible, Dave. Like, no, we were like, what's going to happen here? And you know what? you know what was the turning point in our career? So do you remember back, put your thinking cap on, so if you remember this, do you remember Adobe Magazine? I do. I've still got some. Right? They're great magazine. Yeah. I used to love it. What was your favorite part of Adobe Magazine? Now I'm interviewing you. Oh, um, well, I just like the fact that they included artwork from other people so that I could see what yeah, people were doing. With, yeah, with Photoshop. It was like, wow. Uh, that was my second favorite thing. What was your first favorite? It was their, free. Their question and answer column. Oh, okay. I used to love their Q&A column, right? Because there wasn't internet back then, you know? It was a crazy time. Anyway, so. Do you remember um, that, kids? A time, there was a time before the internet. Yeah, or the internet was so new that every page was gray with a logo on yeah. it. They all looked awful and we were thrilled. Anyway, um, uh, I wanted to advertise in Adobe Magazine because Adobe Magazine had a circulation of like over half a million people. Because when you bought Photoshop, they wanted you to register. They didn't know who bought Photoshop back in those days. They had no idea who you were. You could walk in a store and buy Photoshop off the shelf. And they had no – so they would say if you register your software, you can either get a free subscription to Adobe Magazine or whatever. Yeah. So we um, – I have no idea if this is on topic or not. But I'm just going to yeah, tell no, you. Yeah, fine. Just go for it. So we um, – we we wanted to take an ad, and they were so expensive, Dave. We couldn't, we never could afford it. We're just a small company. We only have like literally, we had seven hundred members, and we're like, oh god, yeah, this is bad. So we, um, I got to be friends with the the guy or the the ad agency guy, and and I asked for what's called a remnant. So a remnant is. Uh, you don't have a guaranteed page in the in the magazine. Okay. But if somebody drops off at the last second and they're going to have to go to press basically with a house ad, they'll call you and give you a deal. And they go, all right, our ad was forty four thousand, but send us thirty and you're in, right? Well, I kept calling and waiting for a remnant. Freaking nobody would drop out, and it never happened. I'm going for years. So I over this time, I would call a guy. Hey, got anything this month? And he's like. I'm sorry, Scott. Anyway, I became good friends with the guy just from talking to him every month. And he was he really he was really rooting for us. He really was. So one day my phone rings and it's him. And I go, Oh my gosh, do you have a remnant? He says, Well, I have something that might be better. I'm like, might be better than a remnant? He goes, We have this thing called a reader response card. And what it was, this is how we did things back in the old days. You would go through and you would you would say, Oh, I like this ad, and you would circle the number. Send it to Adobe, and yeah, that yeah. Adobe would send that company and say, this person's interested in your product. Well, anyway, he goes, we had an advertiser that gets two pages for buying that. He dropped off for the first time since Adobe Magazine's there. You can have those two pages. I'm like, wow. 
dude, if I can't afford one page, how can I afford two? He said, it's only $13,000. Now, that was tremendously lower than their prices, like yeah. way lower, wow. like ridiculous. It was like 10% of what they would normally charge or 20%. But for us, it was still a lot of money. It was a big gamble, like, oh, my gosh, $13,000. We're just two husband and wives running this thing, and we're like, ooh, if this thing goes down badly, it goes down badly. But we took it. I designed the ads. I laid them out myself, wrote all the copy, did all the design work. And, it, and the magazine went out, and it hit, and we sat there, and we sat there, and the phone started ringing, and the phones exploded, really? Dave. Dave, we were hiring people left and right. We're calling people. Who can come in and help man the phones? It was insane. We went from 750 members to like 12,000 members wow. in a month. And then every quarter, it was a quarterly magazine, every time it hit, it was absolute chaos. It was just chaos. And we went from 750 members to 70,000 in just a few years. Yeah, I remember. And it was, because of, it was because of that magazine. Wow. God rest its soul. <laughs> <laughs> I wish it was around yeah. today. I know. So going back to the like that, that time when you were running it, so how did you get the, the use of Photoshop authorized? Well, I actually went to Adobe, flew out to their headquarters in San Jose, and I had to make a presentation to the Photoshop team and get them to, to let me do it. And so when I went there, I had mock-ups of everything, and I did it really nice. I had artboards with tissue paper. I did it all nice. So we already had the cover of the magazine, spreads designed, articles written. I had a logo package. I had letterhead business cards. I had everything laid out, but all in mock-up form. Yeah. So I went out there and I explained to Adobe what we wanted to do, and we wanted to create, and we had a name and a logo, and it was all very nicely done. And, and I explained the whole thing to them, and I laid it out, and basically, it was up to them to either, either say yes or no. And if they're like, yeah, you, you know, and it was over. And uh, one of the guys at the table was Brian Lampkin. I, and, yeah, I know Brian. Yeah, Brian's yeah. a top exec at this, yeah. to this very day. Well, he left Adobe and then came back. And, like, he's one of the top guys at Adobe to this day. But uh, he was the Photoshop product manager. Okay. He was literally just the guy in charge of Photoshop at that time. And a really nice guy. I mean, a, a real gentleman. It was. Can you imagine that after, years later – he was actually doing the keynote at Photoshop World in Los yeah. Angeles. It was like, oh my gosh! And it was just, it was, it was exciting for him to see what he greenlighted to become such a big thing. And of course, we will always. Let me put it this way: in every book I've ever written, I've written what ninety books now. Mm. In every one of them, there's a thank you to Brian Lamb. Oh, really? <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> so anyway, but um, so um, I gave him the whole thing, and and they all talked, and he said, and in front of us, they're kind of like, what? Is and he goes, okay, he said. We've been approached half a dozen times about somebody creating an association for Photoshop. Yeah. And we believe there should be an association for Photoshop. Yeah. But no one's ever come to us with it like this. Like you, you got the magazine, you got the name, you got the logo. Yeah. No one's ever come. I, how, how close are you ready to launch? I said, we can launch in two weeks. Yeah. They're like, really? And we're like, yeah. He goes, all right, we'll get you a document. And we have that document to this day. We need that document to this day because we use Photoshop User Magazine, which is somebody else's thing. So we have a document from Adobe giving us the legal right to use the word Photoshop. Wow. And so we, we talk to Adobe's lawyers all the time. <laughs> uh, no, they they're actually were very friendly. They, they know we have certain rules that we have to go by and certain things that we can and can't do. And we, we don't bite the hand that feeds us. We play by the rules. But every once in a while, they'll, they'll take issue with something and we have to, we have to do what they say because it's, it's not our trademark. We don't want to be able, we don't want to lose that, that ability. But uh, anyway, but we, we didn't launch in two weeks. It actually took more like four. Yeah. 
but uh, we came out and they've been, you know, a great partner ever since. And uh, they've, you know, they've been uh, instrumental in our success. Well, when you think they supported the National Association of Photoshop Professionals, Photoshop User Magazine, and then Photoshop World. Yeah. You know, there's three three of the, I think, still the best Photoshop magazine on the market. Oh, you're very kind. Thank um, you. Hey, you know, it's interesting, just an interesting sign note, you know, that Adobe doesn't give us money. Like, they don't. They never gave us money. They gave us the okay to use that, but they didn't say, we'll give you a sponsor. Because a lot of people think that we were getting money from Adobe. Yeah. You know that Adobe is never advertised in Photoshop User Magazine because, in their own words, the whole magazine is an advertisement for our product. Yeah, exactly. So they've never taken an ad. I mean, they do. They pay for their booth at Photoshop World. Yeah. They pay for their booth and their sponsorship. But they don't. They never just gave us money, which I always wanted them to give us money. Yeah. <laughs> I always said, boy, it would be great if Adobe gave us big yeah sacks of money but that that word photoshop gives it credibility because that, that actually is the equivalent of big sacks yeah. of money. <laughs> yeah so going back to the beginning so the birth of photoshop how soon what version into photoshop did all this happen well i didn't even use photoshop until photoshop 2.0 so I came in. I, I talked to people all the time. When I was I was using it. It was a beta. It wasn't even called Photoshop then. And I'm like, yeah, I was way after that. Um, I was using Photoshop, and I would say by the time I got any good at Photoshop, it had just turned into version 2.5. So no layers. Layers didn't exist. I, Dave, I swear I remember the first time I saw the layers featured demoed. Because you could actually, I don't know if you know this, you could buy a plugin that would do layers. Okay. Before Photoshop had layers in it. We worked in channels. You wanted a drop shadow, we did it in channels. Yeah. And on my all the stuff I taught at first was strictly in channels. And I was like a channel ninja. <laughs> and once layers came along, I couldn't remember how to use channels until I had to do my channels book. I mean, I just didn't use channels that yeah. much. So layers came in at, uh, was it version? 3.0. 3. Yeah. I remember seeing Adobe do the demo at my seminar. They came. They were a sponsor of my seminar tour. They didn't pay for that either. But anyway, they came and <laughs> talk on it. They uh, came and did a demo, and I sat there in the audience, and he showed the layers feature. I almost blacked out. I'm like, that's the dream. I remember Photoshop World. Uh, was it tw- was it 2010? My first one when Adobe had the tw- was it the 20th anniversary, and you had all the different versions in the expo hall. Adobe's booth had yep. every version of Photoshop from version one all the way around on on the computer that would have been available on the day. And when you go back and look at that, that early Photoshop, it's like, I can't even work out what I can do with this. <laughs> <laughs> because now it's it's magic. Now it's just, there's wizards making it. No, but you know what's crazy? Do you know that in Photoshop 1.0, there was curves, yeah. there was levels, there was a Gaussian blur, there was Unchart mask, there was channels, there was most of the tools we use today, the clone stamp tool, the marquee tool, the move tool, I mean, all those things that we used for years. All that. Stuff was, it was all there, like the basis of what we used 26, 27 years later Yeah, was in 1.0. That's sick. Because I think, didn't Russell Preston Brown get, um, recently he got a version where he, he put it on a machine and ran, and they interviewed loads of designers yeah. talking to him about it. So from going back to that, so when Photoshop first came out, what you were doing, when did you pick up the camera again and think, because obviously as, as photo, you, you've got Photoshop, Photoshop, Photoshop. For me, Photoshop was a design tool. It yeah, wasn't I was a retouching tool. special effects. Yeah, special yeah. effects and design and type. So yeah. at what point did you suddenly see, okay, I can expand on this? Well, I, it was the it was when digital photography started taking off. And I... I, I 
and my company bought me that that crappy Nikon digital camera that was two two rectangles and they twisted in the middle. Right. It rotated. It was a I think it was called like the Nikon Coolpix 990 or something. It was a very weird camera. And I had that and I didn't it was like 2 megapixels and the photos were crap. I wasn't very crazy about it. But people were starting to ask all kinds of questions about photography. So I I I started, you know, I started teaching photographers and I did a tour called Photoshop for Photographers, but I wasn't shooting again. And so one day my friend Dave was sitting in the audience and and we I finished the seminar and he walks over and he goes, you're talking about f-stops and apertures and ISO. Like, you're a designer. Where did you get all this stuff? Did you read it online or something? I go, I used to be a full-time photographer. I used to be, that used to be my life was photography, you know? And he's like, well, you got to get into this again. And I'm like, well, I mean, I'm sure I will and all, but he goes, well, you got that Nikon cool pixel. I'm like, that thing's a piece of crap. I, I, that's not a camera. It didn't look like a camera. It didn't feel like a camera. It felt like two rectangles. Yeah. You know, it was just very weird. It was like like uh, two Apple Expresses connected with a <laughs> rod or something. It was just weird. So anyway, uh, and, and then I, w- I went to the PMA show in Orlando because PMA, the Photo Marketing Association, used to be a giant show. Nikon had a big booth there, and they said, hey, we want to show you something. And because uh, we were the magazine, so they let us, you know, and we went uh, and, they, and it was the first time I held a, a Nikon. I think it was a Nikon like 1D. Yeah. It was the first time I held a digital camera that looked like a camera. Yeah. It felt it just like a Nikon camera, but it was digital. Yeah. And that was it, Dave. That was it. I was like, OK, I'm back in the game. Yeah. And so that completely reignited my passion for photography. And then I got a I got a DSLR. But it was odd. Weird fact was not a Nikon. So it was a little while later, maybe a year or so later, Canon introduced the Canon, the first original Canon Rebel. Yeah, I and my wife bought it for me for, for Christmas. Yeah. And that was it. Boom. I think I was if all the camera it. feels like you, sh- you, d- you shouldn't drop it, then it's a proper camera. That's funny. <laughs> That's a funny joke what you're saying there. <laughs> Are you saying that because I dropped my camera yesterday in New York and broke it? It might. <laughs> I didn't realize that. <laughs> no, but you know, you know what I mean. You'd happily drop a Coolpix and kick it down the street, dude. I would launch a Coolpix. That was the crappiest butt camera. I would drop kick that thing through the goalpost. Yeah. So, so what I've seen is I I was introduced to Photoshop probably around Photoshop four, for probably the end of four, the beginning of five. And to them, then it was still a design tool for me. It still didn't feel like a, a photographer's tool. So going from the beginning of the NAPP and, and starting off as design, where did you kind of feel the shift with Photoshop? Because they obviously saw, okay, we're not a design. We, we've got Illustrator. They, did, mm-hmm. they didn't have, um, obviously, Macromedia at the time, so they're still mm-hmm. dealing with their own products. But they were... I can kind of remember a shift where Photoshop suddenly started to become a retouching tool and stepped away from the design stuff. So I was, you know, focused on the design. But how much of a change did Photoshop change the NAPP, or did you deliberately go for the photography market? And it just so happened that Photoshop could take that ride. Well, it it was we just followed Adobe's lead. So in Photoshop, I believe it was Photoshop Seven. They used to have numbers, by the way. Yeah. In Photoshop 7, they um, they started adding, like, the file browser and things for photographers, and they started adding 
uh, camera raw and photography features and stuff. Yeah. And, and, and when that all happened, that's all Adobe cared about. So all of a sudden, everybody, all the photographers discovered Photoshop. And it was the secret weapon for all these photographers. So what happened was, for a long time, for years, Adobe was, if they introduced 30 features in an update, 25 of them were for photography, five were for design. So it, it was, we just followed Adobe's lead. and But we saw explosive growth from that. We saw incredible growth from photographers who were making the leap from film to digital, and we were going to be the guys that helped them do it. And so that's what we did, and we... We worked hard to make it really easy and understandable. Now, me coming from a film background, I think that was a huge advantage for me because I could talk to film photographers in a way that I didn't start in digital. I started in film, so I was one of them, and I spoke to them with, you know, talking about how we used to expose for the shadows and different things that we would do in film and say, here's what we do now in digital, and they got it. They were like, oh, okay, he's one of us. He's made that jump and he's bringing us along. And that's, yeah. what, I, that's what I tried to do. Because I remember, yeah. say, back then, you know, today, the Creative Cloud plan is affordable. You get Photoshop and Lightroom for like 10 bucks a month. It's That's opened the world up. But back then, Photoshop wasn't cheap. So for a photographer to dive in, you know, pay, what, two $300 for Photoshop. That $2, was $300. It was $699. Oh, okay. $699. That's a big chunk of change. Yeah, so, 700 bucks. Woo! So that for you to run that organization to build the organization for a product that wasn't cheap to buy, I think that I take my hat off to you for doing that because I would have seen that as a you know we can we can show all this teaching we can we can do all this learning but as a six hundred they got to pay six hundred dollars yeah, to know get what, in Dave, there people were stealing it left oh and yeah right back then and like today it's very 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 hard just this side I won't say it's impossible but it's very very hard to steal. Yeah. Photoshop because of the way they have licensing set up. Back in the day, you could just go, oh, you want Photoshop? Here, give me a disc. And you'd put it on disc and hand it to the next guy. Photoshop used to fit on a floppy disc. Yeah. So, And then once you got a CD disc, then you could just hand the CD to your friend. They could put it on their machine and their machine and their friend's machine. It was everywhere. You could go on Google and say, download free Photoshop and get a copy in five minutes. So it was just a different time. And there were millions and millions of users around the world that weren't paying that. Now, if you were a commercial user, they had people that were going and checking. They would knock on your door and say, hi, I'm with the Software Association. I want to see your licenses for these copies. And if you didn't have them, the the fines were massive, so everybody was terrified. But, uh, yeah, if you were a commercial, like, you know, you had to buy them. Like, if we needed Photoshop, we had to buy it. So, but but there were people just stealing it. Oh, I remember every, I mean, everybody I knew, everyone I knew, every designer I knew had had some, I mean, my, my first introduction to Photoshop, to Photoshop was hooky copy. So I was using PaintShop Pro. So when I first discovered my, like my first time you could use a software on a computer to do photo retouching, I had PaintShop Pro because it came free on the front of a magazine. Right. And I started <laughs> practicing on that. And then, but Photoshop was intimidating for me because I knew I could get, I knew I could get a copy of it, but it just seemed too much. But when I eventually got it and started using it, I, I mean, I dropped PaintShop Pro and I was using Photoshop. And it was a couple of versions before I could afford a copy. Yeah, me too. And then, and then once I was in, that was great. But I remember going to an Adobe Live conference in London when they used to do their big event with, with every launch. And I think it was the beginning of the Creative Suite, yeah. the first CS. 
And the guy from Adobe stood up on stage and the room was packed. He said, you know, hi, well, thanks for coming. Um, I just want to do a quick Q&A. So um, first question is, who here uses Photoshop? So it's like, poof, every arm in the room goes up. And he goes, okay, who here is on like Photoshop 7? Who's on Photoshop 6? Who's on Photoshop 5? Who here uses a, a, a pirate copy of Photoshop? And I think like four hands went up. Yeah. And they were like, me... And you could feel the room go, oh, where's like SAS? We're going to come swooping in and take him out. Yeah, and, it was and more it, like 400 people out of yeah, that 500. Yeah, exactly. And there was like four brave people. And he said, like he made a joke about, okay, arrest those people. He said, no, look, we're not stupid enough to think that we don't know people do this, that they're using it. The only good thing that can come out of it is we hope that all these people that are using it will become good and they'll get a job. And when they get a job, it'll be paid for. So you're kind of learning it. And then when you go and get a job. Yeah. Yeah. And then you're buying it. And then as obviously Creative Suite came along and it was still, you know, still a heavy price entry. But now um, it's like it's made such a leap that I when, when they went to Creative Cloud and people were moaning and bitching and, you know, saying, no, nah, I want to own it and all that. And I was fighting back and I said, Did you, if you ever owned a pirate copy of Photoshop, you can't complain. You were making money off stolen software. Yeah. All right, three questions. Yes. Can you say bitching on this podcast? Bitching, you can say what you want. All right, great. Number two, yeah. did you know that there was a version of Photoshop called version LE, limited edition? Yes, I do remember. There was a, where they had stripped out features. Yeah. And it was like 99 bucks. Yeah, and Elements. Use that. And Elements. Elements didn't have many features stripped out. Elements is too good. So can I tell you a, a real quick story? Yeah, go for it. So uh, I was at Adobe for meetings because we were with the National Association of Photoshop Professionals. We had this giant block of users. We we would be at Adobe all the time. Yeah. And and I asked them straight up one time, why is Elements so good? You're putting all these features in there that are like, it's almost as good as Photoshop. It's 90 to 95% as good as Photoshop. Yeah. I'm like, this is crazy. Why are you doing this? You know what they told me? Well, they said, look, our competitors all have these features. Yeah. So we have competitors for $50 and for $60. And there was a particular competitor at the time. I can't remember their name. They're gone. But at the time, they were like, if we don't add it, they're going to have this, you know, they have they have liquefy. They have layers. We have to have, we have to match or beat their feature set. And I'm like, I never thought of that. And they're like. We don't want every. What was the program? Was it maybe it was PaintShop Pro? But I, I think, think PaintShop Pro by at the time was was the main competitor. I don't remember. But but somebody was there was somebody else. I can't think of the name of it. There's another product, yeah. and that product had just added like three of their big things, and they're like, we we have to compete, or we're going to just give up that whole market, and that market could start eroding Photoshop. So we're going to just stick what we got to stick in Elements. And I'm yeah. like, man, that's crazy. All right, my third one is a trivia question. Okay, are you ready? This is a tough one. Yeah. This will test your Photoshop knowledge. Go on. Which one of Photoshop's tools used to be in its own separate floating palette? Ooh. It was that thing. I can't... If it's the one I'm thinking of, it was... Was it the one that Julianne first advertised where you could, like, build your own menus or... No, it's no. an actual tool that's in the tool. Oh, okay. Like, it's one of the tools that we use in the tool palette. 
No, I can't think. Oh, Dave, I'm so disappointed. <laughs> the pen tool used to be in the Paths panel. Well, it was called a panel back then. Yeah. And it was not in the toolbar. So in early wow. early photoshops, it lived in like when I learned the pen tool, it was in the paths palette. It was across the top of the path palette. There were five little pens, yeah. and you would go and get it there. And then one day they moved it, like it'll maybe Photoshop four or five, and chucked it over the other they side. They chucked it over the other side, but that was trivia. Photoshop trivia, trivia, trivia. trivia. Oh, we should have done that as a question for a prize. That would have been a good I prize. Might, I might have to cut the answer out, and we'll do it. So obviously, with the growth of uh, NAPP and the the production of Photoshop. Yes. And you're moving to photography. Yes. What do you think more people use Photoshop now for retouch? Do you, do you see Photoshop as a retouching tool more than given that you've got Lightroom, given that you get Photoshop and Lightroom? I've definitely, I mean, I still use Photoshop for design. I use it for mock, mock ups and everything. Yeah. But it's like anyone, well, there's, there's the two camps of photographers, the ones who think Photoshop's a dirty word. That's not many people anymore. Yeah, it used to be. Now it's kind of a yeah, it's Photoshop and Lightroom go hand in hand. But I, I think I think recently Adobe have added a couple more design features. I think it's oh, particularly yeah. with Typekit and some of the type stuff has. Been oh really no, no. Cool. The, 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 I think the pendulum has swung the other way. Yeah. They're adding a lot more to Lightroom, and they're they're not adding as many features. For, I'm still surprised they add any features for photographers in Photoshop, but they know they've got the statistics. They know the number of people that just use Photoshop and, yeah. and that are photographers. And I'd run into them every day. I run them into my seminars or run into them online yeah. that they use Photoshop in the bridge. And I'm like, Oh my goodness. Yeah. Now I still use Photoshop every day. I do about 80% of my work in Lightroom and I jump over to Photoshop yeah. when I need it. But when you need it, there's nothing like Photoshop. Yeah. I mean, there's times where you're working in Lightroom, and you're like, oh, I need to do, and it's the simplest things, Dave. I need to add a line of type. Oh, yeah. can't do that in Lightroom. And I need to add a, a little white border. Nope, impossible. I need to blend these two images together. Nope, it's a group shot. And this person's got their eyes closed in picture A, but they're open in picture B. Yeah. I need to swap them. Nope. I mean, you hit a wall of nope real fast in Lightroom. Yeah. Lightroom basically lets you edit the tonality of the photo, and then it's over. Yeah. Like, you can paint light, and you can paint color, and you can edit that stuff. But if you need to fix something or hide something or repair something or duplicate something, you're you're out of luck. So, yeah. So I, I do think that uh, that while they've backed off on some of the tools, you know, that as long as there's camera raw in Photoshop, you'll still have a lot of people that don't move to Lightroom. Yeah. Now, you want to see everybody move to Lightroom real quick? Take, but but what what Adobe would tell you is no 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 the workflow is supposed to be you're able to go to camera raw, and work over in Photoshop and do the Photoshop stuff and then go back to Lightroom. Yeah. But they, if they ever want to change that, it would be an easy fix. Just yeah. take a camera raw out of Photoshop, and uh, there goes 75% or 80% of your photography features. Yeah. And you use InDesign quite a lot as well, which a lot of people don't. I know I talk to you more about design, and you've had me in and teaching design, but you use InDesign quite I wrote a lot. A book You're on pretty good on I InDesign. I wrote a book on InDesign, yeah. yeah. Um, so I started my first program I ever used on a Macintosh was the precursor to InDesign, which was Adobe, was Aldis PageMaker. Okay, yeah. I'm and interesting enough, you know, they bought, Adobe bought Aldis. Yeah. And they came out with InDesign while they still had Aldis, and still had PageMaker was still out there. And people argued that it should have been called PageMaker Pro instead of InDesign. 
but it uses the same keyboard shortcuts. It's got the same tricks. I mean, the tricks I was teaching people in PageMaker, I can still do them all in InDesign because that's how close the code is. Uh, and Adobe would tell you, oh, it's not. And I'm like, but I can go back and show you videos <laughs> yeah. and like, come on, something's up here because uh, these things work exactly the same way. They use exactly the same keyboard shortcuts, you know, and stuff. So, um, but yeah, that's, so I started in layout first. I was, I was doing layout before I ever used Photoshop. I was doing a magazine before we ever did Photoshop. Because so. I started Quark Express. That was my introduction, Boom. an old Mac and Quark Express 4, I think it was. I could never, I, I, number one, the company, I didn't like the company Quark Express. Yeah. I think that they were like not awesome. A lot of people thought they were, they were the most arrogant company I've ever worked with yeah. in my life. They were just. Didn't they get a kick in the nuts when InDesign yeah, they did, came but, out? And they, and they completely dismissed InDesign. Oh, it's a joke. It's this. It'll never print. It'll never do this. And it just. I mean, when was the last time someone said the word Quark Express? Probably the last time Quark Express said, hey, we got a new version. And everyone went, you guys are still Quark in business? Express just walk in the room? Did, yeah. They were on a raft out in the ocean. And it was funny because they ruled the world. Like, yeah. if you wanted to go to a print shop and you said, I got an InDesign file, they'd be like, what's InDesign? I got a PageMaker file. Not in our shop, you don't. Know? I mean, it was like <laughs> the whole world was Quark Express. And in it, 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 I've never seen anything go out of business quicker than Quark Express yeah. because you know what it was? People liked Quark Express. Designers really knew it well, but they hated the company. Oh, my gosh. They, they, they were like they hated him more than we hate Facebook. They, they <laughs> super hated him. Like we hate Facebook, but, you know, but we the Quark Express was like not good people. Yeah. In my opinion, strictly. Yeah. No, I remember the transition. I remember the day when I heard, I was at an event and Adobe had just bought Macromedia and it was one of those where they've just done what? So we're going to get freehand. That's awesome. And then I went to the first event where there were still Macromedia booths, but they were actually owned by Adobe. And then when like that suite came along, for me as a designer, it was the minute they put all that stuff together I was in my element. Oh yeah. Well, yeah. The, the the when they put the creative suite together, you could get all that stuff yeah. for one price. It was still a hefty price, but nowhere near what it would have been individually to buy them. Yeah. And by the way, I started with freehand. My first two programs were PageMaker first, then freehand. Yeah. And I was good at freehand. And freehand had some stuff that you could not do in Illustrator. Like Illustrator, I don't. You, this is another one. Did you know, Dave? You may I call you Dave? You may, Dave. Back in the day, in Illustrator, you had to work in a wireframe view. Okay. And you'd build everything in wireframe. And then you would go hit preview to see what it looked like. Wow. You couldn't work. And so freehand lets you work all the time in preview. Yeah. Like you, But in, in, in Illustrator, for a long time, you couldn't work in preview mode. You could just see what it looked like. So you would draw a gradient, and you wouldn't see it in color, or you wouldn't see it. Oh, wow. And then you'd switch to preview and go, oh, there it is. It was it was the worst way, and I go to freehand, and you could work in preview, yeah. like you worked in preview all the time. You drew a box and filled it with red, and then you stroked it with black. In in Adobe Illustrator, you were working with it was all black and white lines. That's tough. It was brutal, and so I couldn't get used to it. And I and I was drawing because people wanted me to teach Illustrator, and I'm like, not until I can work out of preview mode. And finally, they did, and I start, I went on, I did a, an Illustrator tour. I did an Illustrator tour. Me. You, I know this is a long time ago. See, I'm I was young once, (laughs) me too. I'm falling back in love with Illustrator again because it's one of those tools that it was it felt hard to use because of the pen tool, 
and I always I would always jump into Photoshop to do everything. It's like the if you want to do it quick, throw it in Photoshop. I know, but the pen tool's king. I know. And now I'm falling in love with Illustrator again because I have to learn it for my job. And yeah. and yet bizarrely it's now like thirty years old and there's not a single magazine on the market that covers Illustrator. And you know what? A ton of people use Illustrator. It's super, like, you don't find a professional graphic designer that doesn't use Illustrator. I mean, if you ever have to create a logo or create any kind of artwork, I mean, you know, you need to do a billboard. You need to be in, you need to be in the Illustrator. And I love Illustrator. I've, I I did videotapes on how to use Illustrator. Videotapes. For those listening, videotapes. <laughs> Look they, it up on Google. They used to, well, that's that's when that, that time was. I. You know, if I said DVD for Illustrator, I would already moved on to photography by that time. But uh, I have great respect for Illustrator. I think it is one of the most amazing products ever. And uh, and I was at a trade show. I was at MacWorld in San Francisco, uh, where they bought the company that made the 3D tool that is in. Oh, okay. Like it was these two guys, and they were young kids, and we're talking to them, and they gave us a free demo copy of their 3D plugin for Illustrator. And we're like, this is the most amazing thing ever. This is a revolutionary. And then by day two. They were wearing Adobe shirts, Adobe bottom right there on wow. the floor. I mean, they were just like, he must have made him a heck of an offer. Well, I know who I work for, Astute. I mean, Nick started it 12 years ago, and he was pretty much saying that he was working, uh, he was doing some packaging design, and he needed to be able to use, he was in Illustrator, or he was in a vector program, and he needed to be able to do hue saturation controls. And it wasn't in Illustrator and mm-hmm. he couldn't do it. So he wrote a plugin and bought the plugin out as a plugin for Illustrator. And then uh, I can't remember all the history, but I know someone bought the product and it became Phantasm. Uh, it was fact called Phantasm and it became Phantasm CS. Mm-hmm. And, and he had to relinquish it. But he realized, hang on a minute, you know, I can, I can make plugins for this program. And now 12 years on, we have a great relationship with Adobe. We, we work directly with the team. And we make this full full suite of plugins now, but it's I mean it's great seeing so many people create great artwork now that they have shifted back to Illustrator, and I get a job out of it. But it's <laughs> well, still, there you go. It's still I'm still having to learn. I'm having to learn the bits of Illustrator that don't happen, so that we can make plugins to to learn what to do. But there's a huge shift now, and I'm I'm researching designers and listening to podcasts. But there's still you know people still need. Still need to learn. So, what's next for now? We're Kel- now we're Kelby One. It's twenty eighteen. What's kind of the next phase for you? Without giving away too many secrets. Well, I mean, this one's where not do a you big see secret. it going? We're right now working on certification. So, we're going to be doing professional certification for Photoshop and Lightroom, and then for photography. Okay. So, there's a lot, a lot, a lot of back end work that does that goes into this, and it was it's more complex than we were expecting, but we've we've gotten the back the we're not called it back the foundational stuff done that we were concerned about it's pretty much up and running and now it's developing the curriculum for it so i think it'll be uh very quick uh we we wanted to get it done in the first half of the year and we're still hopeful that we will get it done by you know june july form time frame so um but it's looking good i think we've 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 gotten all of the programming and under the hood stuff that's the word i was looking for earlier under the hood stuff done, so now it's just you know really honing the questions and the testing, and because there's a lot of it's a lot it's based on taking classes, taking tests, taking classes, test, class, test, class, test, 
big practice test and then the actual test because okay. it really uh, but it also has to be a very real world and you know adobe had been criticized for many years that their tests were not not really a test of your knowledge of photoshop they were very they were almost just designed to trick you and they were just you know they were funky did you ever take any of the certification exams i've done i did indesign aca and some of the questions were very ambiguous. Yeah. Somebody was saying like the pass rate was 60% to get this accreditation. And, and someone pointed out that at school, that would be a D. Yeah. Oh, in the US, 60 is an F. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, if you go to 60, yeah, 60 to 70. Well, let me make sure. <laughs> it's, been, it's been a while since I've been in school. I have kids in school that should know this. It's nine, 90 to 100 is an A. Yeah. 80 to 90 is a B. Uh, 70 to 80 is a C. 60 to, oh no. Yeah, so 60, 60 70, to 70 is a yeah. D, yeah. So it was, yeah. So it was a D. But it the was thing D. I've noticed at Photoshop World, particularly the last two years, which was really, really nice shift. It's an A plus, by the way. Oh, Photoshop World, yeah. Oh, yeah. A double plus. Thank you. Um, it's more youngsters. I know, right? Yeah, it's a lot more kids now. They've got, I think I think the Creative Cloud's done that. I think it's made it so much more accessible. There's a oh, lot more sure. kids coming through. And Who the heck? How the heck? Now, Adobe's always done a good job with educational versions and giving discounts, but now it's so inexpensive and stuff. But uh, also, we've had a big push to get more students and more teachers there. We have a very low rate uh, for a very low ticket price for teachers and for students, and we've pushed that, and that's been great. Uh, but also, just younger people are coming to the platform, college students that want to have startups and I mean, you know what it is now? It, it's it's gotten to a point, Dave, that if you, so many people want to have creative lives that are based on creativity. Yeah. They want to have startup industries and businesses and all this stuff. Well, you got to have a website. You got to have a logo. You have to have uh, collateral material. You have to have all. Have to have apps and all. Apps need user interface design. I mean, everything is based on design. I don't care what business, if you want to start a company that makes widgets, you need a website, you need apps, you need all these things. And so if you're going to do something in in the market today, I mean, you're either going to be a number cruncher or a creative. Yeah. And I think if you give me the choice, I think a lot of people will want to be creative. And I think a lot of people have a creative side to them and having these tools can help to, help to bring it out. Oh, so, yeah, I see people so young creating amazing artwork and I think back to when I was all right we didn't have that technology back then but just to see these kids yeah. coming through and now back when you started would you have rocks and sticks wasn't rocks it? and stick cave walls cave walls yeah, yeah. but you your your drawings of buffalo oh and the little, little I, sticks in their back I, and I all rocked buffalo dude you were yeah. like amazing <laughs> but uh like my son you know is 21 yeah. of course he's got the ten dollar a month photoshop lightroom my daughter, uh, same thing. She's got the, uh, no, I think my daughter has the, the whole thing, but yeah. we pay for it. We can't just call up Adobe and say, can I have one for my daughter? Yeah. They're like, who is this? Anyway, um, but yeah, so my daughter does more. She does Premiere Pro and yeah. all that. And she's uh, 12. And, you know, in school, they do everything. You know, they're required to have an iPad. They use Adobe apps for everything. They use Adobe Spark. They use, I mean, they're, they're all over that stuff. PDFs are just a way of life for everybody where we were like, what's this Acrobat when I was growing up? And now it's like, you know. Well, that's the thing. Everyone's creating content now. And I know definitely for Photoshop World, since I know since I came in and started teaching, that I, I can see these kind of business classes 
and there's more video and there's oh, yeah. more, more design that it's great to see like I say, last year was a lot of kids there and there's a lot of youngsters there coming in and learning like it's multidiscipline stuff. It's not just I'm here to learn light and I'm here to learn business like Tim did his business oh, class. Yeah. Oh, Tim's business classes are ridiculous, yeah. So when's Photoshop World next? It's coming up May 31st, June 1st and 2nd Okay. in Orlando, Florida. And there will be a large contingent, I think the largest contingent ever, of uh uk designers and photographers there good uh that uh for some reason we have a very large probably because of you we have a very large <laughs> no UK one can audience. escape me <laughs> like yeah you're everywhere but uh, we have a very large and very dedicated uh uk uh, fan base and uh when i come over to the seminar to do seminars in the uk we get a great turnout uh, our our webcast, uh, so many regulars are from the UK, and maybe it's because we broadcast at nine o'clock at night, <laughs> and it's like, no, they're a very loyal bunch, and yeah, and they're great. They're some of the most lovely people. When I get a chance to go over there, and I go to the UK every chance I get, I mean, just such lovely people. My wife and I talked about going and getting a bus and just going from there from place to place to place <laughs> just to visit with people. Like, I want a rock star tour bus. I want somebody to drive us around, <laughs> and we're going to go to all these little towns where all of our friends that we we see online. You know, yeah, we've got a famous f film from the sixties called Summer Holiday, and it's it's about a bunch of people who go on a tour across Europe in a London bus. So you should totally do that. Or like a double-decker? Yeah. I wasn't thinking a London bus. I was thinking like a motor coach. Oh, no, you should get a where London you can bus. Sleep. I'm not going to go on a double-decker cool. bus. Yeah. So, um, Those are very top-heavy. <laughs> Boom, American knocked that thing right over. <laughs> so we've got Photoshop World, and you've just made a, a change on Kelby 1, haven't you? You've now got the Pro. You've got two. Yes, we have. Yeah, we have a Pro plan. Yeah. Which is everything we do, which is just a ridiculous amount of stuff. It's, it's a... Online learning with about almost 800 classes now, uh, full-length classes, and and then we have all of the benefits of an association, like discounts in the community and help desks and all that kind of stuff. We, then we have just uh, Kelby One uh, Plus, which is for those people who maybe they're not ready to be in an association, they don't need all the community and engagement and the magazines and all that. They just want access to the online courses, so it's... Uh, over 300 online courses, and they can join for $10 a month U.S., which I think in the U.K. is about, about 45 cents. Yeah. <laughs> so something like that's very... No, we our pound took a right kick in when um, when Brexit happened, and then when we thought, when when Mr. President came in, we thought we'd get our money back, and we didn't. <laughs> Stay low. Oh. Yeah. So that's kelby1.com. Sure. And social media, kelby one picks. Well, Kelby One Picks is a place where our members can get their their images featured. Yeah. But just uh, there's Kelby One on Instagram and yeah. on Twitter and other places. And your blog, scottkelby.com. It is scottkelby.com. Where there's pictures of you in strange poses. Oh, no, no. that's the other website you gave me. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> they're awkward, though, aren't they? Scottkelby'sJunk.com. That was yeah, the that one. Was, that yeah. was the one. But there are a lot of awkward poses. I'm not happy about it. I'm not proud. <laughs> oh, thank you for your time, Scott. It's always a pleasure. To, Dave, it's always a pleasure you, visiting here. Anything we love having you here. Every everybody everybody in this building loves having you here. I oh. mean, oh, we love you as a teacher. You're an awesome teacher, Thank and you. you're a great communicator. But 
Everybody just loves you. You know how it is when you come here. It's like, Dave's back. <laughs> it's like nobody works for the whole time that you're here. It's just everybody <laughs> wants to take you to drinks and takes you to lunch, and everybody just wants to hang out with you. And it really is it is devastating to our business oh, when you visit. No, it's, I appreciate it. I mean, you've given me – my association with you has been immense. You've given me my best friend. You introduced me to Glenn which we've mentioned many, many times on our podcast. <laughs> and we told the story, and, and I, I, I was interviewed by Calibra this morning for the personal side of me, and uh, and I told the whole story again. And, you know, you've opened so many doors for me. I appreciate that. My wife appreciates it. My, my family know who you are. Well, let they me tell you, you've earned, you've earned every bit of it, and, uh, and you've been a great friend to us and a wonderful evangelist for us. For many years, I mean, you were one of the first people to really go, hey, they're doing something cool here and people should know about it. And and you you really helped us. Uh, and you, you're probably the reason why we have <laughs> anyone in the UK that even knows who we are. But, uh, you know, great partnerships and great friendships are, are kind of like that. Yeah. You know, you're there for the other person when they need you. And, you know, you, and, you know, and your readers, your viewers don't know this, but a few years ago we went through a tough time. Yeah. And and. and uh, and we we had to let some people go, and it was it was a, it was a business decision, but it was a really gut wrenching one yeah. for us because we 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 have a very family like environment, and uh, and some people in the industry were really mean to us about it, and they were just thrilled to see that aha they're you yeah. know having troubles, and they were they were celebrating it, and you were on the phone, and you're like, what can I do? Yeah, I'll come, I'll do free classes, I'll teach, I'll do whatever you want to do, yeah. you know, we're, we're and and we will never forget that. I'm, I'll be telling that story when I'm a hundred, oh. um, because it when when you do run into trouble, it's when you really find out who your friends are. Yeah. You find out who are the people that hang out with you because you pay them and you hire them, and yeah. you find out who's there through thick and thin. And both you and Glenn were just you guys were right there. And I'm, I'm seriously when I when you guys were calling me, I was in tears because. People were just jumping on us, yeah. just like like we we made this decision to lay off people because we were just hoarding money or something. Yeah. It's like, you know, we had gotten so big and we had so many employees and so many things that when when the uh, when Adobe made the whole Creative Cloud thing, it, it affected our business big time because there were some people that were really mad at Adobe, really mad at them for the forcing you to do the Creative Cloud, and they in turn. Were very mad at us because we were the association behind it, and and people were just leaving in droves, and our expenses kept going up, and we just got in that point that a lot of businesses do, where you're spending more than you're bringing in. Yeah, absolutely. But people treated us like it was like we just decided to just hose everybody, but it was horrible. It's something I would never want to see anybody have to go through in business. Yeah. As it turns out, of course, it was business-wise the right thing to do, absolutely. and so yeah. we're in a whole different place today. And it was just you know. Uh, it was just one chapter in a, in a book, not not our story, but yeah. but you know our friends came up, you know, and we knew right then, yeah, we knew who our friends were, and and it was it was very it was great to know, and you were among the very first. Like when you heard, you were like, you know, who else was like that? Who? Our B and H photo. Because we were we were doing a lot of work for B and H, and we had to call them and say, look, we can't do these these things anymore, and and they were like. We could care less. What, what can we do to help you? And I'm like, really? And they're like, because I was expecting they were going to be upset because, you know, we had like 11 full-time employees that did nothing but work for, for creating content for them. And they were like, how can we help? Yeah. And it's like there were there's only a handful of people that were like that, but you and Glenn were both one of them. And, we'll, and we will be forever grateful. Me personally as just, you know, my buddies, 
Um, but uh, our company, I mean, everybody knows what you guys did and how you stood up and, you know. No, it was man down. It was a friend down. <laughs> and you do what you got to do when the man's down. You jump in and go, right, what can we do? And it really is one of those things when people always say, listen, if ever you need anything, all you have to do is, is call. And then you hope they never call. <laughs> like when you say, I, "Man, if that guy called at three a.m. in the morning, I'd be there." And you're thinking, "Please never call at three a.m." But when it was when it was you, when we saw what happened, me and Glenn was like on the phone to each other, like, "Okay, what can we do? We're, we're far away, but what can we do?" And the first thing was to contact you and just go, "Like, we're here." Second thing is, we'll do Photoshop well for free, or we'll do we'll give up our things that the guys can earn money, anything we can do because like any good friendship you're in it for the long game yeah. we're friends we're family and like you say you you find you find where people which side people stand when and you know what all we needed you to do was to make that call that was it yeah we didn't need a single thing but that new to know that you were supporting us and all it was just honestly it was like I, I can't even explain it but it was like in the midst of all the chaos that was going on the sadness and all you know when you you have people that are that you've been working with for years and yeah. you have to lay them off. And it, it wasn't for cause. I think people don't realize when you fire someone, they did something wrong. When you lay someone off, you did something wrong. You didn't manage your business or the environment changed or you made mistakes or something like that. And and having to lay people off, is it's it was the worst. That whole period was the worst single thing that happened in my whole whole career. And it was it was devastating, and it was like I didn't sleep for months, knowing that man, if things don't turn around, if we don't find a way to cut costs and do these things, it was. Uh... And the thing is, it's become so apparent of the thing you've got to do. I mean, I I've mentioned it before on the podcast. I worked for my dad. The first job I ever had when I left school when I was sixteen, my dad said, "Look, you can work for me until you get another job." And it was an engineering job. It was you know something I hated doing. And I worked for him for nine years. And sadly, it was one of those things where in the beginning, the business is good. But as time goes on, people kind of go, well, we should be doing this ourselves. And the business started to dry up. My mum got alopecia. She was well, She knew she, that they were going to have to let me go. And then the day that my dad let me go was, I knew how hard that was for him to do. And it was a business decision. And, and he did it. And I went on and got a, the job where I learned where well, I used my first Mac and yeah. use Cork Express. So I was jo- I used to joke to my dad, like, yeah, well, do you remember that time you made me redundant on my birthday? <laughs> but that was, the, that was the thing was, wow, when your dad has to do it and he explains to you the reasons and you know what's coming, it's whether it's friends or family, it's, it's never easy. Oh, But it's how you come out of it. And I think seeing where you are today and what you've done and how you've kind of, Reco- well, I don't know if recovered's the the right word. Changed. I think you've adapted and changed. I think now coming in, it's it still feels like family. It's still you know, Photoshop World is still a great event, and and long may it continue because I I'm indebted to NAPP and Kelby One and from for many many things. So I appreciate our friendship and and I always appreciate your time. You know, I never really liked you that much. Well. I've just read all that off a script that someone wrote me. <laughs> <laughs> me too. I think, me uh, too. I keep having to look down to make sure I've got your name. I kept wondering, why does this say read this on screen? <laughs> read this sincerely. <laughs> anyway, yeah. thank you. It was an absolute honor to be on your podcast. No, you guys you. are the You guys are the best. And you guys know well before I said any of this how I feel about you guys. And, yeah. and, and we'll always be there 
for you as well. So yeah, it's reciprocal. Cheers to you, awesome guys. Thank you very Top much. Top men. Top fella. Top fellas. <laughs> Over and out. Thank you very much, Scott.